Achieving Clarity podcast. My name is Ben Morley, an Air Force pilot turned consultant. Each episode, you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life, personal and professional, to achieve more clarity, purpose, and effectiveness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of practical clarity training. I wanted to talk to you today about relational styles. I am working under the assumption that one of the greatest impacts we are going to have in this world is actually going to be in the quality of relationships that we offer. How unbelievably countercultural this premise can be in a world that just worships giftedness. We take very talented people and just idolize them, when in fact it is a house of cards. Yes, a person may have incredible talent, but with their friends and their family or their lack of friends, whatever the symptoms may be, their loving may be incredibly lacking, yet masked by adoration of their gifting. What does it look like to live and love well in the kind of relationship that we offer? There's three styles of relating I wanted to talk to you today about. Number one, people who move against people, people who move away from people, and people who move toward people. All styles can be beneficial or detrimental. There is a time to move away from abusive, toxic people. There's a time to move against for injustice or poor treatment of others. And then there's a time to move toward people to comfort them and connect with others. There's a certain profile of person for each of these categories. Number one, consider the moving away person. Kind of detached in a relationship, kind of checked out. Might be friendly, might be silent. But what you experience from them is that they are not very available, not very present. They are moving away from relationship. And then there's the style of person who moves strongly against people. They can feel controlling or manipulative. Oh, They're in relationship, all right, but it's not a healthy type of relating. It might be a very strong person, but their style is to engage relationships so forcefully that they end up dominating, be it controlling a family system, control a meeting, control an organization. Then there's the moving toward, the third option. Oh, that's the correct one, because we're supposed to move toward people, right? Well, there's a dysfunctional side of it as well. They could be desperately needing validation, affirmation, Kind of the puppy in the room, needing a pat on the head. People that glom onto you. Yes, they're moving toward relationship, but it feels very clingy, very needy. A desperate search for approval and affirmation. So, two types are engaging. The moving against and the moving toward. They look like they're in relationships. And the third one is moving away, disengaging. But in all three, there are some problems. Each relational style can be used in a healthy manner. I think we each can be found to do all three in the natural course of relating. There are times to move toward, move away, and move against. We can each have a propensity, a default we fall back on. There can be a tendency to give our personality a pass. Just assume it is God-given and that much of how I relate my style of relating and the impact I have on people is my personality formed and woven together in my mother's womb. However, another lens to view personality through is actually as a construct of self-protection. So with a personality test, say I'm a phlegmatic, a melancholy, I'm an otter, I'm an ENTJ, nothing wrong with a test. They can be helpful with testing people, but here's the problem. 
what are you testing? It might be testing our brokenness, our woundedness. One guy I experienced had taken the Enneagram test and realized he was a challenger in that model. He just took that as license for his brokenness to constantly challenge people, ideas, movements, and programs, anything and everything. Again, what is it like to be with you? What it was like for me to be with him made me want to throw a chair through a window. This personality style might be a piece of his gifting, maybe, but he was using it as an excuse. We can tend to look at our personality as morally neutral, that our personality does not have a motive behind it. Someone can be told, you are just an encourager, and they can tend to hide there. Their actions may be superficially encouraging to mask the woundedness, whereas there may be times this person should positively confront a situation instead of the default encouraging behavior that has worked well for them. Consider a scenario with the abusive father and the complicit mother. The mother should positively confront. You know, for many of my coworkers, the mantra was lead, follow, or get out of the way. And at times it often just became, just get out of the way. <laughs> this behavior may capture some of their giftedness. Part of it may be how they are wired, genuinely how they are. They're the ones who tend to run to gunfire. It can be good, but it can also be terribly violating controlling. They can just plow through a meeting, plow through a relationship, pushing and moving against. It is not love. It is a relational style. This can help us realize why we do what we do. Be aware of who we are. The tests can be very useful for this, but it can be possible to come across as something that is not true of our inner world. I can look like I'm moving towards someone in a relationship when in fact I'm moving through. It's also possible to look like I'm moving toward when in fact I'm moving away. Checked out, just cruising, and able to get away with it for years by making it look like something other than what it really is. Can you relate to people you know in this model? Number one, the moving away, again. Kind of checked out, maybe friendly, kind, maybe even a leader. But in terms of relationship, no real intimacy, no real close friendships, no real heart-to-heart living, just sort of detached in relationship. Oh, they might be great at conversation, but they're checked out. Or number two, the moving toward. Sounds like the right one to choose, doesn't it? And in love, yes, we should, but the broken side of it can be desperately needing the story to be about you. You may ask people, how are you doing? But what you're really hoping is that they will ask about you. As these people can tend to get through as quickly as they can listening to the 30 seconds of how you are doing so that you will ask them about them and then they'll take 20 minutes to answer. This need for approval, need to be loved, need to be liked, it looks like relating, but actually it is very clingy and very manipulative. Then there's the moving against. It's the need to control, the need for power, the need to get their way. What is the relational impact of that? Do people feel loved by you? Do they even feel known by you? These can be the side effects of putting giftedness on the throne of admiration. Ask people what it is like to be with them, married to them. So what is behind these relational styles? It can be harmful to assume personality is amoral, morally neutral category, when in fact it is not. I submit to you, motives are behind the personality. Motives drive these things, and ultimately, 
driven by self-protection. So what can go into the construction of our personality? What can go into the construction of these styles of relating? What goes into the construction of what we could call our personality, which feels as a default from birth, God-given, just like a skin color or an eye color? So we assume it is with our personality type, when in fact, it is actually fueled and deeply propelled by some pretty powerful motives. What is behind our relational style? What fuels our personality? Until we learn to recognize there are very powerful forces in us, and I don't mean supernatural forces, that there are powerful commitments, resolutions, agreements, and fears that are actually shaping our personality. Whether we want to call ourselves a golden retriever or an ISTJ or a high C, however these identifiers are grabbed onto, there are actually some motives behind all of that. Author Frederick Beekner captures this, quote, The world sets in making us what the world would like us to be. Because we have to survive, after all, we try to make ourselves into something we hope the world will like, better than it apparently did the selves we originally were. That is the story of all of our lives, needless to say. And in the process of living out that story, the original shimmering self gets buried so deep that most of us hardly end up living out of it at all. Instead, we live out all the other selves which we are constantly putting on and taking off like the coats and hats against the world's weather. The pressures we feel to be shaped and molded into something the world likes. Consider the woman who has a difficult time being delighted in. The story is, she had a very critical father. Not a lot of delight in that household, not a lot of celebrating who you are, not a lot of love and affirmation. However, reward for achievement was given, so therefore the drivenness began. So everyone in her high school and college years was impressed with her drivenness and her ability to get stuff done and excel, really excel, at school and grades and projects, and this can flow over into mission projects and world relief and battling human trafficking, and it all looks so noble, but actually what's fueling that personality was that she was not loved. She was not loved when she was young, and she found a way to get love. Remember, the world sets in to making us what the world wants us to be. She found the way to get love in her family culture through achievement, and therefore this style of relating that can look very benign, but in fact what is fueling it is fear and pain and a desperate longing to be loved. Then there's the other person that is identified in their organization as the servant affirmed as being the servant, but when pushing into that behavior so much of her being a servant is avoiding intimacy with people because she is always about accomplishing a task. So for her, sitting down and having a heart-to-heart talk, developing relationships, getting close to someone, in her case to a man, was always preempted by the need to get something done for the benefit of the group or the whole. So serving, yes, but hiding, as well as driven by self-protection. What is fueling our style of relating comes out of our particular story, but it is a combination of desperately trying to get a little bit of what the human heart was designed for, love, affirmation, connection, and, and, deeply, fiercely committed to self-protecting. Because we have been hurt. Sin and brokenness 
can fuel our style of relating. So a friend with a move-against style of relating developed this from the primary wounds in his story of abandonments, people not being there for him, and therefore a deep resolution in him not to trust people. Combining this wounding with his giftedness of leadership generates this move-against style. His strength in leadership is not driven by connection with others or relationship. It is driven by a wounding. So everybody has a story to tell. Another man, a move-away person who wasn't really present, yet his style is one of being very present, very honest and vulnerable. Let's be self-reflective. Let's push into this. He learned to be vulnerable, but used it to push people away. He is willing to be respected and enjoyed, but he is not present, therefore he is not loved. He's like the porcupine. He avoids intimacy. His gifting is in a connecting role to people, but he has adapted it to a detached, fatherly, warm vulnerability instead of the real thing. So the goal here is to begin to look at the style of relating we offer to others and begin to wonder, what is really behind that? What's fueling that? To begin to love well with knowledge and depth of insight, not being just shallow or silly lovers or sloppy lovers in the way that we can relate. To really be aware that we have a style of relating and it is powered by some very powerful forces within us. Can you name them? Do you know what your impact is on others? Do you know what your basic style is and why? This is not an accusation, not an accusation, not a shame, not guilt, not reproach, no. It is for us to become aware of these forces, choose to lay them down, and choose a different way of relating. The idea is through this exploration of relational style, not to let it be an excuse not to love well. As these forces shape and mold us, desire for a little applause, getting what our hearts so desperately yearn for, validation, love, and yet this other tension we feel of being self-protective and hiding. We do not want to become so completely introspective that we weigh every motive, so what do we do? We need awareness. And that looks different for every person. Simple categories like be kinder, give more are not necessarily helpful categories. Because awareness for you and for me might look completely opposite because of our stories and styles of relating. If you are courageous, ask a friend. Get a little input from those who you know are not going to just blow you out of the water with their feedback (laughs) because of their brokenness and their style of relating. A bit of input may be very helpful. Asking, so what do you think? What do you think my style of relating is? To gain awareness of this weakness. You know the phrase, give a boy a hammer and the whole world looks like a nail? (laughs) When people find something that works for them, they often just work it and just use that. So it can be with these relating styles. Move toward, move away, and move against. So if you know what your hammer is metaphorically, If you know your basic approach to life, I'm just the jokester, (laughs) I keep everything light, well then you know how to counteract it and to repent of it. I'm such a controlling person, well then you know what awareness looks like. 
and you know what behaviors to be aware of. Some sense of awareness can be brought into the picture. If you name it, you can begin to address it and operate more as our original shimmering self. I hope this has been of some help to you. And as always, best to you. Thank you for listening to the Achieving Clarity podcast. We hope you liked it. To hear more tools and strategies to help you in your personal and professional life, subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again. Thank you.